Welcome to the Vortex of Positivity. That's what we're calling it. It's like the Fortress of Solitude, but we're here in this together, and it's not cold, it's warm. It is. So we are on Hollywood Boulevard, in case you didn't know, um, and Doug liked some things that he saw. Doug loved some things. This yes. is kind of exciting. So what things did you see that you loved? I saw some plays. I saw some things of the entertainment variety in a theater. Um, and let me apologize uh, straight up from the beginning. My computer is doing its crazy thing again. So um, probably going to be interrupted by a bunch of glitches. Uh, so I'll try and fill in those gaps uh, as much as I can. But um, yeah. So what can I start by talking about? Um, probably my favorite of, of the bunch. A new uh, production of Hamlet. Ooh, is this the one with Ruth Nega? It is. So, have you seen all of Preacher? I have seen all of season one. Okay, I have seen all of season three. <laughs> Alyssa, uh, my fiancé, has seen one through three, and we still have to watch the final season. But yes, Ruth Nega is on it. Ruth Nega is really quite a force in everything she does. She's, She's wonderful. Quite, quite, quite special, quite terrific. Um, she was also nominated for an Oscar for Loving a couple of years ago. Lost to Emma Stone, which, whatever. Um, but she's, you know, one of those impeccably trained performers. Um, and so this production comes from the Gate Theater over across the Atlantic. And she actually, Ruth Nega, plays Hamlet in this production, which is staged by uh, Yael Farber. Um, this is an immaculate, beautiful raw, awesome production. It's three and a half solid hours of Shakespeare's best play, um, and it really gets everything right, and Ruth Nega is terrific in it. Um, so basically, we don't need another Hamlet for the rest of our lives. I mean, if this is the one to go out on, we're going out right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I will say I'm very partial to the show. I think the play is kind of good. Um... Uh-oh, here we go. We've lost Dog. I have not seen this production of Hamlet, so I can't fill in the blanks. But I can say, I thought Ruth was the best thing about Preacher, um, which I was really digging and really enjoying. And then for some reason, it just started to feel really tired and old to me. Um, but but Ruth, of course, was phenomenal and not tired and old at all. So I imagine that she is probably a sensational Hamlet. Um, but if we ever got get dug back we can i've been back more the whole time I've, oh. been listening, I've been listening to you vamp this whole time and i don't disagree but save it oh my god <laughs> well okay so tell us more okay so um it is of uh so it, the production well i the thing i was going to say before um so i love hamlet i think it's maybe the best thing ever written in the english language but more than that my fiance loves hamlet and she wrote her master's thesis on ophelia so she's not just a shakespeare expert she's a hamlet expert and she gave it two thumbs up also um this is a very ophelia empowered production in fact Alyssa kept saying it's like yeah l farber read my thesis um one of the things it does is it's a it's kind of a stark production. The I mean the production design itself kind of minimal but gorgeous. The use of reds is very emphatic. Um there's a use of a a clear sheet almost like 
like a latex shower liner that alternately indicates that characters like look like they're in a morgue or they're ghosty or like they're in a womb and it's spectral and it's stunning. Um, but it also really takes what I think exists in the text, which is that Hamlet and Ophelia had an overtly sexual relationship, which is something that people hem and haw about, though I think like there's ample text there. People get like shy about it. Okay. Um, and I think that's, I think that's, I think it's appropriate. And I also think it's kind of daring, uh, for this production to do. Um, I mean, it takes about one and a half seconds to get over the fact that there's an actress playing Hamlet um, because every intonation of her voice and is just perfect. I mean, she is emphatically, you know, grief stricken um, and and also very much, you know, complicit in all the avalanche of wrongdoing that ensues. Um, and I, I'm going to mispronounce the name of the actress who plays Ophelia. A-O-I-F-E is the first name. So, Ifa, Ofa, I don't know, Duffin is, is the name. And she's a remarkable Ophelia. It's also, I don't want to say it's a feminist production, but I will say the other important character, Gertrude, is given a more complex and slightly sympathetic portrayal. Mm. Um, and I appreciate that because I think that's a rich character that often gets overlooked. She's somewhere between not quite a lead, not just a supporting character, and I don't think interpreters always know what to do with that. Okay. Um, and and I thought it was great. Um, also, I didn't say the name, but Susan Hilferty did the production design. So ah. it's just it's just stunning to to look at. Um, extraordinarily paced. Not a lot of fat on here, and just the imagery is spot on. Um, and I, I just I really thought it was terrific. Like I I was I was pretty sure I was going to like it and not have too hard a problem sitting through it because it's an extraordinary play and you know, these are reliable people, but eye opening quite, quite wonderful. I think you were about to say something. No, I think that that's awesome. Um, so yeah, I mean, I wish that I was going to be able to see it. I imagine that it's all sold out and everything else, right? I'm back. Hi. I I said, I was going to say, I imagine it's sold out and all of that. Correct. Yeah, it doesn't have it's and you know it's at St. Anne's Warehouse in Brooklyn, which I'm not sure I mentioned before, but um, you know that's a subscriber house. They have typically short, sold out runs. Um, I don't know if it's ever been recorded anywhere. If there's a way to get one's hands on it, um, but but this is definitely a show to try and see if you can, and that that uh, that people should be talking about. So you know, there's that. Yeah. Well, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it was, and you know. Yeah, nice to say, nice to have seen. Uh, and if you can get your hands on anything Ruth Nega has done on screen, uh, also quite worth it because she's she's wonderful. Okay, so what else did you see? Um, I'm going to go straight to another great show that I saw called... Ooh, the suspense is killing us. Um, I have no idea how to fill in this gap. Uh, oh, good, he's back. <laughs> Good, because you um, you just, like, paused at the, I'm going to talk about another show, and I was like, I don't even know how to fake this, because we didn't get the show out. Well, oh, during the glitch, I talked about it, and now I'm, I'm done. It's time to move on. And now we've moved on. Well, what show was it that we didn't hear about? I know, before the next glitch. It's called... I'm kidding, that was a... Oh, your jokes. They're just jokes, man. 
Now he's not kidding, and I really think like he's not. <laughs> ah, I'm back. <laughs> you can't kid. You got to tell us what show is it. That's that's really funny. Uh, Dana H. Uh, by Lucas Nate, oh, who both Melissa yes. has spoken of as being. Um, uh, I think I think he's really one of the great working playwrights. So you've seen Hillary and Clinton, and I, I don't know if you've it. seen any of the other shows. No, that's the um, only one that I saw, and I loved it. What I love about him is that he has so much fun with the form. He's never written the same kind of play twice, um, and he's just so inventive. And he really makes use of you know every theatrical element that you can. So the thing about Dana H is it is actually the true story of an account uh, of a terrible thing that happened to his mother, whose name is Dana. Now the H is for Higginbottom, Lucas Nath, H-N-A-T-H. That's his last name, but I think that's his father's and Higginbottom is either his mother's from a subsequent marriage or her maiden name. So it's not Dana H for Nath, but Dana Higginbottom, who, um, uh, worked as like a therapist, social worker for for in a prison, and for an extended period of about five months, was actually held captive by a drugged out but very smart prisoner upon his release. So she was held captive for five months. Yeah, the way I mean, basically, the way it worked is even when she did try to escape, even when there were times when she tried to speak to police officers, this guy had a network. And they didn't have enough to keep this guy behind bars. So no matter where she went, someone was always going to find her. That's the craziest thing ever. And it's true. And her son didn't even know about it. So, okay, we lost Doug. So my question is, which he's probably not going to hear, but hopefully he will. Crazy. It is a crazy. How did he not know? Like, was he not at home? Did had had he moved out at that point? He was all uh, oh, I guess on his own. I, oh, the glitch must have been. Yeah. He was away at college at NYU during that time. In fact, he's the same age as me, so we were at college at the same time. This was happening in '97 or '98, I think. Um, and I think she probably had. I don't think they talked a ton anyway, but during the rare times they did speak. She probably didn't say anything to him because the guy was there when they were having these conversations. Um, it's impossible to think that this happened in real life, but it did. So so here's the, one of the two crazy things about this show, though. It is a solo show in which an actress is on stage recounting th- these horrific things that happened to her, but it's an actress mouthing to the real recording we lost Doug. Okay. So it's an actual recording. Steve. Oh. I, I, Steve Cosson. Steve Cosson. Yeah. I can fill this part in. Steve Cosson, who is probably best known for his work with the civilians, which is a documentary yes. theater company, was the person that conducted the interview with Lucas's mom. Correct. So did the, so they used bits of his conversation with the real Dana as the. Yes. And the, 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 the whole play is those excerpts of that conversation for about 75 minutes. So the actress on the stage is essentially lip syncing, mouthing, acting to those words. Okay. I'm going to, but I'm going to be a terrible person. I'm going to be a terrible person. I have a question. How does Lucas get to 
claim ownership of this play when it was Steve doing the interview and his mom's words? Um, well, I don't know if it was Lucas asking Steve to ask the questions. I don't know when that interview took place. I don't know what Lucas's role in that was. I don't know. Like I, I did read the New I York Times. I, I did read the New York Times piece that ran about. There this, is one the last about a week and a half ago. There was a feature on the actress who I will get to in a minute that gives the background. That yeah, I just, and and that that Lucas asked um, Steve to conduct the interviews because he, he was couldn't. too close to it. Yeah, yes. he couldn't. He was too close to it, and so that's why I'm sort of questioning how. I mean, I guess if he sort of took extrapolated the bits of the interview to use, then I guess. That becomes, you know, I mean, the comparison I'll make is the way people are like, well, how much does a book writer do in writing a musical? It's like, okay, so he took the excerpts of the interview and then constructed it. He figured out what to keep and what to excise. And then there is, you know, like there are decisions. There is some action in the play. Like when does she sit? When does she stand? Like when does stuff happen in the background? What are the stage directions? All that is provided by him. That's playwriting. Yeah. I just, I mean, I don't want to be an asshole, but, but yeah. I just was no, kind of no, like no, wondering get- how, like how that determination is. Like how did, you know, at what point is it, no longer him you know that it's not him yeah no i mean i can't i can't really speak to that because i don't know right um but i can say there is true artistry going on in this production and i think 50 percent of that comes from the plot of the you know the work of the playwright and 50 percent of that comes from his frequent collaborator les waters who did the direction um but but then the other big thing is the actress who was on the stage becoming his mother is astonishing. And it's not a surprise because it's Deirdre O'Connell, who was one of the greatest, most gifted, you know, most naturalistic stage actresses of my lifetime, our lifetime. And it is quite a thing to behold, to watch. She is an extraordinary actor. Yes. Oh, just like Ruth Nega. Deidre O'Connell, who is, um, who goes by Dee Dee. I like calling her Dee Dee. Um, who's been doing this for like 50 years almost. Um, just, just an impeccable performer. And so it's the magic of watching her become Dana because you watch her and you think this is how she talks. Like she is contorting her mouth in ways to make it look like this is how she would have said the thing we're listening to on the recording. Right. Um, and it's not a parlor trick. There's real craft involved. Um, and you very quickly get over the thing of like, oh, it's her acting out to this other woman's voice. They just sort of fuse as one. Um, and then you just give way into the story, which you cannot believe happened, but is supposedly all real and is truly shocking. And, um, I mean, the biggest takeaway. And we lost Doug. We got him back. I'm back. What uh, did you did you hear me say? I don't know what you heard me say. I said it was great. She was wonderful. Um, the biggest takeaway from the show is just don't ever live in Florida. Oh, oh this is where it <laughs> happened. Was Florida? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's like life lessons. Don't go to Florida. Yeah, I think yeah, a perennial. Yeah. yeah. So uh, look, there's like two months left in the theater season. Overall, it's not been great. Um, 
I cannot imagine so many things that are so spectacular popping up in the next two months that would knock Dana H and this Hamlet, you know, off of my best of season list. Um, they are definitely two of the best things I've seen. Do you think either of these will transfer to Broadway? I, I really tend to doubt it. Um, I think Dana H is ultimately like just kind of too small a show. I, I I don't mean that in reductive ways. I just mean like, not enough to fill and to sell a Broadway house and, and too intimate to really get to do justice there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, it's tricky to move Shakespeare's now to Broadway, no matter who's in it. I don't know that Ruth Negga is a big enough name. I don't know that there's an audience there for for another Hamlet. I mean, I'm trying to remember what what other Shakespeare's I've seen on stage recently. They've done the Scottish play a couple times. Usually doesn't do very well. Um... There was a one-man Macbeth with Alan Cumming that even that didn't do great. Um, the last great Shakespeare I think I remember seeing on Broadway was The Merchant of Venice, which had moved from Shakespeare in the Park to Broadway and had Al Pacino in it. So, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh. He's just, yeah. Um, no, but I mean like a star of, of that high. Of that high, yeah. yeah. No, I yeah, mean, it's just the last one. Like, he... Al Pacino it, like, is like, though I think that was a great, I think that was an outstanding production. It was. Okay, because I know sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, it looked like, I don't know what to say about Broadway. It's becoming decreasingly uh, a place where you want to see, like, good Shakespeare. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay. Um, So, so yeah, I mean, yeah, gold stars all around for for those shows. And I'm going to give an honorable mention to a show. You cannot see it anymore because it had a very limited run. But I did get to see, as part of the New York City Center Encores um, uh, season, uh, Mac and Mabel, which is uh, composed by Jerry Herman of uh, Mame, Hello, Dolly, La Caja Full fame. Um, and it's kind of one of those noble failures. Uh, it has a very lovely score. Um, but when it debuted in, uh, the mid seventies, it really just didn't work. And it was, if not considered a bomb, definitely a big disappointment. I think it only had a two month run or so. Um, and it's the, the true story of Mac Sennett, who made a lot of very early silent films, in the 1910s and 20s, you know, kind of predated Chaplin and Buster Keaton, mm-hmm. um, and his, troubled relationship with silent film actress Mabel Normand, who had an untimely uh, death. Uh, she died of a drug overdose in, um, I think she was 30 or 31. Um, so it, the show never, it's the book of the show that's the problem. Um, it doesn't really know what it is. Does it want to be more about the changing of silent films to talkies? Does it want to be about this love affair? Um, which was ultimately very brief and she was more frequently strung out and he was more frequently having affairs. So it's, it's not clear what to hold your hat on story wise, hang your hat on story wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and each of the numbers is like a very big number. I was just saying the plot is so, so, um, <laughs> but the musical numbers are great. Um, and, but I will say, I think people have tried to do something with the show in the past, uh, in like the past 45 years. And it always kind of lays a little limp and it was better than that in this production. Um, and 
um, the the stars who play the title roles of Mac and Mabel, uh, I think are are partly to give be given credit, and that's Douglas Sills and Alexandra Sosha. Okay. Um, Michael Barres, who is also a wonderful performer, dancer, director, um, uh, acts very nicely as William Desmond Taylor, who's another old, old Hollywood figure uh, and was murdered. I actually think the story of his murder, which remains unsolved, is a better way into this story. I think it might work better as a triangle than it does as a thwarted love story. Um, but that's not for me to write. I didn't do the book. But you know who did make some changes to this book? The sister of the book writer, Michael Stewart. Um, and her name is Francine Pascal of the Sweet Valley The Sweet Valley High books. Yes. So just a fun fact for you there. Does anyone read those books anymore? I don't know. I used to love them. I used to have to sneak them. My I mean, mother wouldn't let me they, read yes, them. They were everywhere when I was growing up. And I remember in elementary school, it was like you really had to sneak the the Sweet Valley High books. And then eventually they were followed up by the Sweet Valley Twins books, which were like a bit more innocent. Um, and But I remember like all the girls were reading them and like like trying to keep it secret. Um, well, I had to keep it secret simply because it was not literature with a capital L, and I wasn't allowed to read anything that wasn't like Emily Dickinson. I'm like picturing you reading Emily Dickinson in your room, though, and it seems fitting. But, so. yeah, but I, I loved all the trash novels. Do you know what I used to love watching when I was a kid? Fantasy Island. Yeah. yeah besides awesome. Fantasy Island. Um, oh, God, I wish they still made them. The old... Um, they would they would make those like Jackie Collins and Sidney Sheldon books into miniseries oh, and the, the yeah. TV movies. Those were the and it was always like Jacqueline Smith or um, you know those like the Charlie's oh, Angels actors good. or I feel um, like Valerie Bertinelli did her fair share of those too. Uh, she did the the mafia one. Did she? Is that I'll take Manhattan? No, I don't remember what it was called, but but she was a mafia princess. And wasn't oh. um, Joe? What's his name? Was like the husband and I think he ended up killing her at the end and he was all torn up about it. What? Oh wait, he killed her and he was torn up about yeah, it. Yeah. I don't think she survived it. Huh? Was it Joe Perry? No, the Joe Perry is the Joe Penny Penny. That was it. Joe Penny. You know, what would have been great if it was Perry King of Melrose place. Oh my God. But it totally wasn't. Now I've got to look this up. Hold on. Oh. All right. So, do I have any other fun facts about Mac and Mabel I can share? Well, Karen looks up which TV miniseries Valerie Bertinelli got killed in. This would have Hmm. been after one day at a... Oh, I think it was called... Ooh, Shattered Vows or Silent Witness. What? Let's see. Let's see what Shattered Shattered Vows Vows. I bet it's Shattered Vows. No, it's not, because that's about a nun, and she, there was not a nun oh. in that. Okay. <laughs> oh, I thought I was thinking All right, wedding. so we're moving over to Silent Witness. Let's see. Yeah. Um, oh, wait, maybe it wasn't this one either. No, it wasn't this one. Ooh, this one sounds good, though. The marriage of a young working-class woman is jeopardized when she witnesses her brother-in-law brother-in-law's participation in a gang rape of an intoxicated woman. Oh, in a neighborhood bar. I know, that sounds like, um, what was the movie that that ended up being? Um, all right, let's try Rockabye. Maybe it was Rockabye. Mm-hmm. Nope, that's not it either. Oh my God, maybe I made this up in my head. But, but, okay, but, 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 can I interject? Please. Um, I did look up, 
I'll Take Manhattan, the Judith Krantz miniseries that I remember being a big deal when it was like 87. It was 87. I guess. It, yes, 87. Do you know who's in that? Jane Kaczmarek. Yeah. Are you looking it up? Tim Daly. Yeah, I'm looking at I'm on her page. So yeah. Oh, Perry King. Oh, Look at that. Perry King. So You're there you go. Right. So then, okay. Somehow, way back in there, I knew. Also, importantly, um, Julianne Moore is in that too, which always important to mention Julianne Moore just because. That is always important. And then there's like a taken away. That's like another one that's like not without my daughter. Why? Maybe, maybe I have the wrong actor, but I could have sworn. Oh, maybe it was. Oh, I think I had the one, the wrong. Hold on, hold on. Okay, nope, nope, nope. I think it was during One Day at a Time. Was it um, I Was a Mail Order Bride? No, it wasn't that one. The Princess and the Cabbie? Maybe it was The Promise of Love? I don't know, but The Princess and the Cabbie is about a young woman who struggles with dyslexia, and Shelley Long was in it. Good Lord, I can't believe you you just remembered that. Maybe I didn't. I clicked on the Wikipedia link. Oh... I know, See, but I'm, I, maybe it, maybe it wasn't her. Let me. Who who did we say? We, would we say it was Perry King? No. Joe Penny. Joe Penny. Thank you. God. Sorry, no, I guys. I this is going to make me nuts if I don't figure out. But I do know it was definitely Joe Penny that was in this because he was like the mafia guy. Maybe it was is like. It gang, is it Gangster Wars? Maybe it was like. Maybe I just was wrong. I think Blood Vows: The Story of a Mafia Wife. That's the one. Oh, it was Melissa Gilbert. I always confuse them. Ooh, Eileen Brennan was in it too. So, okay, so that's what it was. But, um, God, I love this this show, but apparently not enough to remember who was starring in it, but it was Melissa Gilbert. I guess this was I when mean, she was trying to. That, Ooh, and Talia Shire. That would have been, like, the obvious other choice. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so these were, like, the movies, and then there was, what, Rage of Angels? Oh, my God, that was so good. Did you see that? I don't. I don't even think I've heard of that one. Oh my god! Nineteen eighty-three, Rage of Angels. It was um, based on the Sidney Sheldon novel, and I think this was an actual miniseries. So we had a few and ja- um, episodes, and Jacqueline Smith was in it. And if you've never Jacqueline Smith, oh, 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 Jacqueline Smith, Armanda Sante. Which, by the way, where is he? And that's not even the first time I've asked that question in life. Um, <laughs> and Ken Howard of Melrose Place. Look at that. So, I mean, just tentacles all around. Yeah. Melrose Place touches everything. Yes. So, um, so yeah, I mean, those were, that was, oh, look at that. And Lois Smith was in this. Rage oh, of Angels. Oh, Lois oh. Smith on Rage of Angels. Check that out. John Glover was in Rage of Angels. Damn. This is a great cast. No wonder I love this. <laughs> My God. Yeah, I was like riveted. And this was 1983. I was 11. I was 11. And I was like, I was like, hook me up. It's nine o'clock. I'm watching Rage of Angels. Like that, that this was like it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's like right about the age I was watching everything. So yeah. yeah. And, and like my mom was like slightly horrified because this was like not what she wanted me to be. <laughs> Oh, so so I was going to ask, it wasn't like a school mandated thing. It was like at home, your mom or your dad was like, you have to read literature, not this shit. Yes, basically. Yes. Yes. So like, you know, I would, that's why like I would go to like the bookstore and like, I would be like sort of like sneaking in the stacks and I would be reading this and my mom would like never buy them for me or never let me take them out of the library. Um, So I would just kind of like go sneak chapters at the old Walden books. 
I used to love Walden books. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's um, yeah, that's what I. Although I think one time I do remember one time she did buy me a Sydney Sheldon book, and that was because we were going on vacation. Oh, sweet. Yeah, so I did have a Sydney. I think it might have been Rage of Angels. Um, and I actually did recently purchase a um well not recently but it was kind of a while ago a sydney sheldon and a jackie collins for my kindle which every once in a while i try and read them um not as good as i remember yeah it's funny how that works i know right? funny how that works i was kind of like ooh, not as good as i remember but hey look you know it's all right um but i would love to see this miniseries again and see if it was as good as i remember I lost Doug. I don't actually know what you were like. You lost me, so I don't know what you were like, but it's okay, as long as our listeners do. Yeah. So, I mean, and there was another one that I kind of remember about, like, a jewelry heist. I don't remember um, if it was Rage of Angels or if it was, I don't think it was, but I think it was something else about uh, a jewelry heist, which was really, really good. Was it set it off? I'm just kidding. I know it wasn't set it off. No, it wasn't set it off, but it was, maybe it was like, um, ooh, it might have been Master of the Game. Hmm. Master, or if tomorrow comes, it could have been that one. Anyway, oh, I love that. I love that title. Um, know you know, like I'm I'm gonna look something up really quickly. I'm not even sure it will come up. One of the things I also used to watch. It wasn't quite an after school special, but I think it was on HBO. They used to run these like educational things. Not, I don't think it was Life Stories, The Family in Crisis show. There was one thing, and it was a special, and it was um, Marissa Tomei was a high schooler and or maybe maybe she's in college and gets into med school she has all these plans to become a doctor and then she realizes her true calling is to like go into child care because she loves babysitting and it like causes all these problems between her and her mom that they eventually have to like get over and resolve and i was like this is so good uh- and it was before she was, I don't even know if she was on A Different World in. It was... W- was it called Superman's Daughter? Or Supermom's Daughter? That's going to be it. Because that, that was the ABC After School special. She's credited on that. Oh, it was ABC after all, huh? Is Barbara Boston in that? Let me see. Because um, I remember she was the mom. Yes, Barbara Boston was Okay. In this. Well, then it was Supermom's Daughter. Interesting. This was a good one, huh? I used to love those ABC after school specials too. We lost Doug. Um, okay, so I'm curious, you guys, who remembers the ABC after school specials? We uh, someone somewhere has to be doing some sort of podcast going back to these one at a time. I mean, apparently there there were they lasted a really long time. They they lasted till 1997. Which who knew? I mean, that's a really long time. 1972 to 1997. Holy shit. I think we like lost 25 years. No, yeah. I'm, here. I'm here. I I had no I thought yeah. these went off the air in the 80s. I knew that they went on a little bit longer than that, but I didn't know when they stopped. But can I say something else? Sure. Thank you for the permission. Um I looked up I'm on Marissa Tomei's Wikipedia page and I was reminded that in the Chaplin biopic that Robert Downey Jr. is in, mm. she plays silent film star Mabel Normand. So wow. it's all connected, guys. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Right? Right? Right. Wow. Right? Right. 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 I had other shows I was going to talk about. I almost, like, 
don't even want to go back there because I love this tangent so much. Oh! <laughs> it was a good tangent. It absolutely it was, so, was. I mean, there was there were just so many pockets of like deep cuts of TV that I thought I was the only one who watched through the 80s and 90s. And it's so nice to know that other people might have seen them too. No, I love that you haven't seen any of those Sydney Sheldon um, and like the Jackie Collins, like all of those. No, ooh, but about other fun facts, I met Jackie Collins. No. Yeah, about 20 years ago. So she passed away like what, two or three years ago, I think. Yeah. Um, and I was an intern at Simon and Schuster, which was, if not her, like for her entire career, for the bulk of it, her. I was at Simon and Schuster. Did you get that? Uh huh. Yep, we got that. Okay. Okay. So they were her like big publisher for the, I think, entire duration of her career, and I was there when they published one of her books. And so one day there was like you know a release party or something, and she was there, and her book was Lethal Seduction. And somewhere, I think, in my house in Virginia, we still have a signed copy. Um, but, yes, she said hi to me. She shook my hand. She signed the book. She gave me a smile. And there was also, like, a companion CD that she did a rap to the title song called Lethal Seduction. Um, oh, she's awesome. That, she was so awesome. That I don't think I have, but I'm sure it can be found somewhere. So, yeah, that was my – and that was one of the first uh, celebrities I probably did actually encounter in, in my life. Um, Please so, yeah, tell I got me that to, she was nice. She was lovely. Yeah, Good. she was really nice. Good. Yeah, she was really nice. Good, because I always hoped that she would be. Um, she had a hell of a career. She really did. I mean yeah. – like when you think about all the books that she published and how many bazillion copies of the books that she sold, I mean, there was definitely something there. I mean, Hollywood Wives was an extraordinary. Yeah, uh, Hollywood Wives and Hollywood Husbands. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, to do what you do, it's such, and she was very prolific too. Yeah. So to do what you do for a very long period of time and to make as much of a, an imprint as you had for a very long period of time, like, there's definitely something to be yeah. that, that demands respect. There. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Well, this was a fun tangent. It was a fun tangent. So yeah. Talk to us guys who loves those ABC after school specials. Who remembers the Sydney Sheldon and Jackie Collins, um, TV movies and TV specials that we had. And it was, you know, Jacqueline Smith and Melinda Gilbert and those, um, Melissa, those actor, Melissa, Melissa Gilbert. Why can't I get my names right? Um, who remembers those? Am I the only yeah, one? Do you guys have favorites? I mean, yeah. So we've got like the, the big deal, like the soapy miniseries and the after school specials. You remember the one where Helen Hunt was on PCP and jumps out the window? No, I don't remember that one. So that was a thing that really happened. I mean, I mean, the, the movie. <laughs> I mean, Helen Hunt really was on PCP <laughs> and jumped out the, the window. The TV show happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh no, I didn't know that one. Yeah. Um... Well, if a podcast does, if a podcast does not exist, we have to. Like, although, how do you get these? I mean, how can you even find these after school specials? Well, anymore? most of them, I think, are probably like lost forever. I don't know how you find them, but I have a set of like six collections of after school specials that were given to me as a semi gag birthday gift about fifteen years ago because I saw them that they existed and I was like, I have to have this. And a very good friend of mine at the time gave them to me, so I have them somewhere. Amazing, really. I mean, but it it sounds like it would have been the later ones, right? Yeah, um, I think they might be. Well, like, 
early to me might actually be like mid range, like early eighties. Um, I know, I think there's some of like the more famous ones that maybe would like played more than once. I think one of the big ones is called Schoolboy Father, where Rob Lowe is a teenager that knocks a girl up. Uh, I might kind of remember that one. I feel like those ones that they actually put on the DVD, like, kind of loomed a bit larger. Hmm. I have no idea who's still listening to us talk at this point. I don't know if everyone has fast-forwarded to the end. I mean, I understand. Everyone's like, this is not what we came here for. Oh, and we lost Doug. Like, here we go. Andrea's story, a hitchhiking tragedy. Come on now. That's some good shit. Oh, oh, obviously. The name of the movie with Helen Hunt is Angel Dusted. Oh, of course. Of course. All right. I'm pretty sure. I have to go back and look this up, and I will. I'm pretty sure when she won the Oscar, the announcer at the Oscars is like, oh, their other credits include blah, blah, blah. I want to say that they include the another one of her TV movies, Quarterback Princess, which, like, she had done other stuff by then, but it's funny. <laughs> um, I'm going to look that up after this. Um, this was all over the place, and it's going to be one of my all-time favorite podcast recordings, so thank you. Oh, anytime. Anything that I can do for you. Yes. But, but yeah, we, we reach out to you to let us know what your fondest memories of of all of the, the TV movies and after-school specials were. Um, and uh, to give us a five-star iTunes review, because I think we just need them. Yes. And in the meantime, hit us up on Facebook, Back on the Block Pod. Um, and I think that's it. Five stars. That's it. Five stars. Yes. Yeah, we're, we are only begging a little bit. But thank you. Uh, thank you for your patience with the, the, these continued glitches. And thank you, Karen, for all the vamping. Anytime. I do my best. All right, guys. That's it. We're going to, I guess, see you next week. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Back on the block. Boom.